Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Good morning, New Song. I'm excited to share this morning's message with you. Before I get into that, I just want to share just a short uh, backstory on kind of who, who I am, who my wife Holly is. And so as Pastor Justin said, we spent uh, several years in full-time ministry at our previous church we were at in, in Montpelier, Ohio. It's called House of Prayer. Learned and just grew so much during that season. Um, so thankful for the opportunity there. But about a year and a half ago, we felt a call into planting a church and the Lord began to make it very clear that was to be Warsaw. And so uh, really quickly, we fast forward, we moved to Warsaw in April and we've been here ever since and just so excited to be a part of this church. So actually before we had moved to Ohio, we had come here for a short season and we had connected with a few people that uh, were on staff at the time. And I just noticed one thing really quick, really quickly was that uh, the culture here is a very healthy culture within the church, but also within leadership. And I don't know if you guys know this, that's a very rare thing to find. Um, and so I'm just so th thankful for that. And so honestly, Holly and I, we're here just to, I told Pastor Justin before we even moved, I said, we just want to come and learn from, from what you guys have already established. We really just want to transplant what has been established here and transplant that and, and Warsaw and establish a, a very similar culture. And so we're, we're excited. I'm just, I just want to honor Pastor Justin and Jennifer, the staff, the church here. Uh, it's just, a, this is a special place. And so uh, I'm going to jump right into this message this morning. The title of this morning's message is Check Your Circle. We're going to be talking about relationships, talking about the importance of community within the life of a believer and how important friendship is. You know, small groups, many of them, I believe, are launching this month. And as I was praying into this message, I felt that uh, this, uh, the Lord made this very clear that this is something he wanted me to share on and just share with you guys. And this is something that Holly and I, honestly, both are just very passionate about. We love relationship. We love having people in our home and just, uh, it gives us, gives us a life being around other believers. And so uh, as we're looking at this, you know, any of you have grown up in church, I've grown up in church. I grew up in a Christian home, went to Christian school. You know, you hear over and over, we're called to be like Christ. We're supposed to be encouraging one another to look more and more like Jesus. And I thought what better way to start off this message than look at how Jesus viewed relationships and how he modeled that for us. And I think the best way is looking at the 12 disciples and how he poured into them, did life with them, looking at uh, not only that, but he actually had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and how you know he just had such an intimate relationship with these men. And so if that's the model, I believe that God would ask of us to, to uh, follow that model, so to speak, of doing life together, that none of us are meant to do life alone. And so, um, there, the, you know, there's just such an importance of community at a local church. And I think here at New Song, what a blessing to have small groups, to be able to, be able to have the opportunity to serve on a team, to have a, go after whatever that vision is, you know, to be able to uh, run after that together as a team and to be able to bear one another's burdens, to be able to uh, uh, pray for healing for one another and to be able to further one another on. And so before I get uh, more into this message, I wanna lay out just some foundation, foundational scripture here. I wanna start in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. 
I'm gonna be reading out of the NLT this morning. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I don't know about you, this is something that I've needed all throughout my life where I've went through difficult seasons in my life and someone's been there to build me up, to encourage me. There's been seasons in my life when I've had close, dear friends of mine that have walked through dark seasons of their life and I was the one to build them up, to encourage them. As a body of Christ, we're not meant just to come to church and go home and then and, and not have any relational community, but we're actually called to be the church, right? And we're called to uh, be there for one another, to encourage one another. And so I wanna share out of Matthew 22, 36 to 39. Uh, teacher, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And then Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is equally as important, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so uh, we all know that our relationship with God is the number one most important relationship. But then what's interesting is Jesus follows that up and says, the second one of loving our neighbor as ourselves is actually just as important as the first. So it's equal to the first. Everything in the, in the commandments and uh, in, in the heart of God, I believe, is out of this source of loving God and loving people. And so uh, um, it's, it's just so, so important for us to be able to, you know, find ways to love, uh, not, you know, those within the church, the people that we come to church with or in relationship with, but even I think about those that we live close to in our, in our neighborhoods, and our communities, how can we show the love of God to, to them, those that are maybe less fortunate or not able to take care of themselves as well as uh, maybe some of us are able to. And so I think it's just looking for those opportunities to be able to serve uh, one another and just love on one another. I can't think of a better way, you know, for those of you guys who have families and are in, you know, you're married, uh, what better way than to, to love and serve our families, our kids, our wives, our husbands? Um, you know, I think everything starts in the home and, and when it comes to you know, loving one another and then out of that place, being able to uh, love our neighbors. Um, Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get in trouble. So I'm a big proponent, a big believer, very passionate about who you hang around is who you become. So the, it's this leadership principle that you are the average of your five closest friends. And so if, you, if you're looking at maybe some of the decisions you've, you have made, uh, are making, and you're like, man, I, I need to be a little bit more wise. I would say it might, it, sometimes it's good to, to reach up relationally, so to speak. It's good to find uh, people maybe that are uh, a little bit further than what you are or what I am in order to gain more wisdom, gain more understanding, and to help us. It's really, it's out of this pursuit to be more and more like Christ. It's out of this pursuit of one another spurring each other on to become more and more like the image of Jesus to, to a broken and hurting world. Last scripture here before we move on is Proverbs 27, 17. It's iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So, so we can read that, and I've read that uh, just so many times, and you can just run through it, but really when you think about iron sharpening iron, uh, you know, there's some, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy process, it's not clean. Um, and so often when we're iron, when we're sharpening one another, uh, often, maybe not an argument, but it can be challenging and calling each other higher, calling each other further. I think that's really the, the, what the scripture is saying is, is hey, let's, I, we don't wanna be complacent and just kind of ho-hum about our walk with God and about 
who we are becoming, but we want to sharpen one another. We want to build each other up and call each other higher and further um, into whatever that call of God that he has for you. And so, again, as we, we ran through, as we read through those scriptures, you know, this whole idea that you are who you spend time with, you know, it's this phrase, your circle shapes your future. So the friends that you keep, the people that you are spending the most time with are going to shape your future. And so I want to share a little story as we're talking about, you know, check your circle, the friends you're keeping. Um, so honestly, this story is just the mercy of God on my life. Uh, growing up, I grew up, like I said, in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school and uh, I was not living for God. I lived for self. I was very much about gratifying my flesh and what I wanted. Um, but what was remarkable is that I found myself around these awesome men of God, even as a, at a young age. And many of them now are in, in full-time ministry roles, or at least bivocationally, just a heart to serve God and serve people. And one of them is my friend, Joe. And you're gonna have to bear with me because I got a funny story about Joe. He, uh, so when I met Joe, he, uh, when we were in high school, he was a year ahead of me. I played sports, played basketball, uh, but he played as well, but he was much better than I was. And, he, uh, and so I remember being around him. He was a little rough, a little rough around the edges. You might say that he, I don't know if this is the correct term, but he was a little thug, he was a little hood. He, you know, he, you know um, in first service, I didn't know how to describe it, but if some of you younger people might remember South Pole jeans or FUBU, like that, that was Joe. He was a little, you know, he wore his pants halfway down his, down his, down his legs. And, you know, just, he just had that aura about him that, you know, he, he wasn't exactly someone you'd walk up to and give a hug. And if you guys know me, I'm very affectionate. I'm very, um, you know, I, I, it's not, it's not uncommon for me to walk up to one of my friends and say, man, I love you, bro. Give him a hug, you know, a little, little slap on the back. And, uh, Joe, so he had gotten saved. He went to acquire uh, the fire, this conference for youth. And I remember going to church. I didn't know he was saved. And so Joe had never come up to me and like hugged me and said, hey man, I love you, bro. It was usually like, you know, I don't even know. He would just, hey, what's up, man? And he, he comes up and he's he coming in for like a hug. And I didn't know, like, is he gonna hit me? Is he gonna punch me? Like, he does, this dude doesn't hug. And he, and he says, dude, I, I got saved. And you talk about transformation in someone's life. And so it's uh, completely transformed, completely different, met, you know, gave his heart to God. And quickly, you know, so he was like 16, 17 at the time, and he got, uh, got offered a full-time youth pastor position at the, like, the age of 20. And so he steps into this. In the meantime, I'm, I'm not, I haven't really committed my life to uh, an intimate relationship with God. I'm still living for self. And I remember just looking up to him like, man, that, that's amazing. I wasn't ever, I don't know that I was ever jealous, but there was this, uh, I was always looking up to him and we continued to walk closely uh, together. Again, this is the mercy of God. And so uh, fast forward in 2020. So at the time I'm serving as a youth pastor at our church in Ohio and he invited me. He said, hey, we're going to this thing called Motion Conference for youth pastors and youth leaders down in, at Church of the Highlands down in Alabama. And I said, awesome, man, I'd love to go. So I went down with their team and you talk about, so when I say transformation, I'm not talking, I'd already obviously given my heart to God. So I'm not talking about that kind of transformation, but my eyes were completely open to a new way of doing ministry, a new way of even just leadership and how to lead people. So this conference was all about, uh, you know, so before I go there, for me, the model I had seen is kind of what you see in many churches is where the pastor kind of does everything. He's kind of, you know, he, he kind of the savior, so to speak. He, he meets every single little need. 
And what was being displayed at this conference was all about empowering leaders around you and how to, um, you know, there's scripture that talks about equipping um, the work, the work of the ministry for the saints, like equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And really that's the pastor's job is not that they do all the ministry, but the people in the church like partner with the pastor and say, hey, we're gonna do this together. What's your passion? What's your call? Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's do this together, so to speak. And so I began, so it completely changed the way I viewed ministry. It no longer was about what I needed to do. It was more about, I need to get some people around me that are a little bit further than me a little bit better than me at different areas. And I just need to focus on what God's called me to do and focus on that. And put, so it completely transformed the way I viewed uh, ministry and, and really kept me from burnout, I believe. And so when I say that, this is, this is really all started with this circle, this one friend that, uh, you know, we just, we just shared a bond. He was part of, the, part of, he's still one of my closest, closest uh, friends. And, you know, because of him, it opened my eyes to a whole new, way of, of doing ministry. And so, uh, you know, in, in relationships, it's often this battle between pride versus humility. We talked about sharpening one another. If I'm prideful, I don't want to be sharpened. <laughs> I don't want to be around you if you're trying to sharpen me. But if I'm humble, I'm a grower. I'm a learner. I'm here as a student. Hey, help, help sharpen me. And it's a give and take. You're not just there to receive, but now you're, you're sharpening uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And so it's, again, it's so important in uh, relational, you know, in our relationship with God, number one, but also with one another, walking in humility and not walking in pride. And I think about different friends that have been different things for me. I think so often we think, well, I just need that one close friend. Uh, I think there's a different, different friends that carry different aspects or different insights. You know, for me, a couple examples, Joe, I just shared, you know, I lean into him for leadership when it comes to, you know, at the time when I was pastoring, I would uh, lean into him heavily into that. I got another friend that's a pastor, Justin Duell. I, I, I lean into him for insight into more spiritual, scriptural, uh, scriptural things. When I think about Pastor Justin Chambers here at the church, I think about him as a, he, he's a church planner. He's already done what Holly and I feel called to do. So why, so for me, I, I, I lean into him and I'm inspired by his, by his faith and is not afraid to take a risk. You think about that, moving to a whole new community, don't know anybody other than, Lord told me that this is what we're supposed to do. That, that's, that's a big faith. I, I lean into uh, Pastor Justin in, in that way. And so um, my transformation personally has always been through the circle I kept. It's always been, uh, often has been through those relationships. Uh, often, you know, God's the one that brings transformation, but he uses God's people uh, to, to bring about some of those transformations. And so, uh, you know, often we talk about vision within a business or within a church. I know here at New Song we have a vision, but even within our own lives, is there a vision, is there a goal? Is there something that God's uh, dropped in your heart that, that giving you a dream, so to speak, that's something to go after? Uh, you know, that's gonna determine your circle. You know, you, we wanna be yoked together with those that have common, uh, you know, a, a common goals, so to speak, a common vision. And so where, where's the direction of your life uh, headed? Your vision determines your circle. And so I wanna share here in Hebrews 10, uh, 10, 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And it's all around this idea that honestly, the church is, it's a gift. God's calling on us to be together and not isolate ourselves. And so in the scripture, I believe, you know, I think about at Christmas time, 
you know, you can receive a gift, but if you never open that gift, you know, it doesn't do any good. And in the same way, the body of Christ, we're meant to, it's, it's a gift to each and every one of us. There's a blessing as we engage in life-giving relationships. I like that word life-giving. I believe this is a place where life-giving relationships are, uh, are, are they're here, they're present. Uh, and so I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that this is that place. And so, you know, in these relationships, you know, it's important to remember that we're, we're givers and not just takers. Like, well, I'm not just coming to receive. And when I come to small group, I'm not just coming to receive, but man, I'm coming to be a blessing. I'm coming to add value. How can I be a blessing uh, to someone, a contributor, not a consumer? How many of you guys know we live in a very consumeristic society? So it's very difficult uh, when culture is geared that way to not carry that into our everyday life. But it's important that, I, you know, my life is not about me. It's about honoring God and everything that I do. If that's true, uh, you know, when I come in on a Sunday morning, I'm not, I'm not coming to get blessed, even though I do naturally get blessed. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna bless someone else because I don't know what someone else's week has been like. I wanna, I wanna be a blessing to, uh, to, to, those, uh, to those around us, to those around me. And so, uh, I, I love that around contributors versus being consumers that we're here to contribute relationally. Uh, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It's really hard to confess our sins one to another if we're not relationally connected. And we think about, you know, later we're gonna share a scripture uh, reference of scripture in Mark 2 and how faith is a little bit messy. This, this, this whole process of confessing our sins one to another relationally is a very messy, can be messy. Like my sin, I don't know about you, I've never had clean sin. <laughs> when I confess my sin, it's, it's dirty. I wanna get rid of it. Um, but there's great, there's healing and there's hope and there's restoration that happens out of this place of, of confessing our sins one another, being together and saying, hey, I'm struggling, I'm battling. Hey, yesterday I just, I just fell, will you pray with me? And that's what bearing these burdens one another, helping each other and encouraging one another, um, you know, that we're not, again, it's this whole idea, you're not meant to do life alone. I'm not meant to do life alone. If you're struggling and battling with, with different, different, uh, different things, uh, I mean, reach out to somebody, get involved in a, in a small group. There's so many uh, God-fearing people here that would love just to come alongside. And so I think the key in all of this is humility. We talked about it earlier. Humility in not only confessing, but if you're on the receiving end of someone coming to you and saying, hey, I, I, you know, I did this or I did that. I'm not proud of it. I wanna confess this. I wanna get this out in, out in the open. We have to have humility too as those that are receiving because I, I don't know about you. I don't wanna operate out of a critical spirit. I don't wanna be judgmental. I wanna be able to say, hey, I'm here for you, brother, and we're gonna, I'm gonna continue to pray for you. I'm gonna contend for, your, for you to be healed and find freedom in your life. And so uh, walking people through that process of, uh, confessing our sins and and finding finding freedom, freedom, finding healing. And so, uh, what, if you're taking notes here, I want you to write this down. Pride always kills relationships and growth in your life, and relationships with God, number one, but also relationships with one another within the body of Christ. I don't know about you. I don't want to kill. I don't want to destroy the relationships that God's put around me, people that I love dearly. I think about you know, within, again within the family. If I'm walking in pride, I'm not gonna be able to love my wife well, I'm not gonna be able to love my kids well, I'm not gonna be able to love my friends well, my extended family well, my church family well. Uh, but if, I walk in, if we walk in humility, we can, we can do those things, we can love well, we can be there for, for uh, one another. Because pride, I believe every sin, the root of all of that is pride. 
pride is, it says that I, it's me and it's about me and I'm gonna get what I need to get and I'm not worried about anyone else. But humility says it's not about me, it's about others and loving God, loving others. Just like we read there, I believe it was in John, you know, about loving God and loving others, the two greatest commandments. And so uh, I wanna reference uh, Mark 2, 1 through 12. I'm not gonna go there. You can turn there if you want. Uh, Mark 2, what we read here is that there's a paralytic, there's a paralytic that um, obviously needs, needs healing, needs touched, and he has these four friends. And often I think sometimes we, we look at this paralyzed man and we kind of teach from that perspective. But I wanna, this morning I wanna teach on that, but I also wanna teach on the four friends that this man has. Uh, because it's interesting, they bring him, they bring him to Jesus, uh, or they, they begin to take him to Jesus, and, and he eventually finds healing, and he finds uh, not, just, not just physical healing, but Jesus actually uh, heals him spiritually as well. His soul is saved as we, as we read through there. And I'm gonna break down three points to learn about this paralyzed man and his, and kind of this, as we're talking this morning about your circle, about relationships, I wanna talk this morning about this, how he, you know, these four friends that he had. And so three things to discover about this paralyzed man. Number one, he didn't tolerate being treated like a victim because uh, if you know the theology of the time, it's interesting. If you were sick or paral you know, paralyzed or a leper, you were an outcast. It was thought of in that time, there was a theology that if you were sick or down or had, uh, again, paralyzed, it was thought of that you had sin in your life. That was kind of, that was the thought in that time, which we know is not, uh, it's not true. That's not, that's not something we should be basing our gospel on. And so it was, it was interesting to me as I'm studying through this and beginning to think about like, this guy had four healthy friends that got him to Jesus. And so uh, the company he kept were not, they were not victims. These men were not victims. If they were victims, they wouldn't have helped this paralytic get him to Jesus. They were not thinking like victims. They weren't enabling him to stay where he was at, which with the victim mindset, you often say, stay stuck. I don't know about you, I've seen just within culture, there's such a, a victim mentality. And I know that in, in the natural, there are things that happen to us that we, we become a victim of a situation. But when we're in Christ and we give a heart to God, we're made new, we're a new creation. And God has bought us, he's bought us with the price, we're grafted into his family now. And so we're able to have this. Uh, and so I, I believe one of the burdens the Lord's given me is, is calling people out of, that, out of that victim mentality because it's stuck and it's filled with fear and it's filled with, uh, you know, there's just no freedom found in that. And so we just wanna, we, we wanna make sure we stay away from that, that mindset of, of I'm a victim and, and staying stuck. And so a victim mindset, the problem I see with it is that uh, when you're in that mindset, you desire to be coddled instead of challenged. And we talked about sharpening one another earlier that we, you know, I don't need someone to coddle me or enable me in my sin, enable me in my, in my poor thinking, in my uh, victim mentality. I need someone to empower me to think a new thought, a God thought. I need, some, you know, it talks about in scripture about renewing our mind. I need someone that's gonna help me, help me do that to say, hey, you're not a victim, you, you're, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have a, there's a new way of thinking that God has, has given to you. And so we, we want those friends that empower us to uh, be a deeper follower of Christ. And so um, we wanna be empowered to move forward. Again, I said stuck, how a victim uh, often will, 
uh, stay stuck. And we see with this paralytic, like he wasn't stuck. He had these four men that were, they were moving him forward. They were getting, helping him get his healing that he needed, that he desperately needed. And so I've never obviously been paralyzed. I gotta imagine like that's, that's a very difficult, very difficult place to be. It's a very difficult reality. And so we need, we need those that empower us to move forward. And so again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I've been in these places where I felt stuck and I felt like there's no way out and you're tromping through mud and it's not so much a physical thing that's going on, but there's something inside that's going on that like, man, this is wrong. There's something going on that's off in my heart, that's off in my mind. And I think this morning the Lord would say, hey, uh, we wanna move forward and we wanna find those around us that can help us move forward. And so uh, point number two, if you're taking notes here, is he wasn't insecure around stronger people. I think this is a... I think this is a big thing within culture as well is that there's so much insecurity and fear around, um, you know, when we get around people maybe that are further than what we are. This paralytic in a, in a real way, like he couldn't walk. <laughs> he had to be kind of secure. He couldn't be insecure around those that were healthier than he was or those that were, uh, you know, again, he, someone that had two healthy legs. He had these four men that carried him uh, to, to Jesus. And so we wanna make sure that we're secure in God enough that I'm okay with reaching up relationally around people that are stronger in their walk with God, they're further along than, than what we are. I think about, again, as Holly and I are looking at planning a church, I, why wouldn't I wanna be around Pastor Justin and Jennifer? And, and you know, they, almost 20 years ago now, this church was planted. Why, wouldn't I, why would I be insecure around that? I wanna celebrate that. Man, this is amazing to see what God has done through his faithfulness and through their faithfulness uh, you know, why wouldn't I wanna learn from somebody like that? When we're insecure, it's hard to be a student, it's hard to be a learner. Uh, and again, this is all rooted in pride. When I'm, when I'm not able to be uh, around people that maybe, again, are a little bit further than I am, uh, it's, it's rooted in that, in that pride. And so pr pride says, I don't need you, and it will kill growth. Again, we said this earlier, uh, it will kill growth each and every time because again, it's, it's about me. And it's about me looking strong, me looking like I'm, I'm the best part in the, in the circle, so to speak. When you think, of, I'm a sports guy, when you think about a team, I don't know about you, I'd rather be on a championship team and be a role player than to be, uh, to be the best player on the team and be average. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't wanna be average. <laughs> I wanna be able to be a victor, not a victim. And so I wanna be around, around those and call each other out of being a victim and being a victor. And so uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as well, is his humility and security allowed him to have eight healthy legs in his circle. Even though he didn't have healthy legs at the time, it's because of his humility and his security, he was able to have those friends that were actually able to, again, move him forward, get him to Jesus. And so my question this morning with that point is, who are you partnered with? Who are you linking up with this morning? In this season of your life, who is it that you're partnered with? Because again, who, who you surround yourself with, who you are friends with, is who we are becoming. They're, help, they are, they're helping uh, formulate how we're gonna think, how we're gonna live life. And so we wanna make sure we're surrounding ourselves with people who are rooted in God's word and they're helping further us to be more and more like Christ to a broken and hurting world. Number three, point number three is that he surrounded himself with faith. He surrounded himself with faith. And so uh, we know that these four friends took him to Jesus. And so what we know is if you read on in there in that scripture, in that passage there, 
Jesus said that this man's sins was actually forgiven. The paralytic sins were actually forgiven because of these four men's faith. Why were, so how do we know they had faith? Because Jesus said so. And I just wanna take a moment. I think so often, I, I can relate to this. I am a recovering people pleaser. And so, uh, so often I'll look for people's approval of maybe decisions that I'm making rather than first looking to Christ and, and Christ alone for, for his approval for decisions that I'm making, for the way I'm living my life. And I think him, Jesus saying that they had faith, that's enough. I don't need anyone else's approval at that point. That if Jesus, if you say I have faith, then that's enough. I don't, I don't need someone else's um, words of, uh, of uh, affirmation. And so uh, what's interesting about the end of this story is that, or throughout this passage here, is that these four men, they take, they take this paralytic to Jesus. They get to this house and this house is full. So in modern day times, I would think if New Song, if we only ran one service and the church was full and someone stood at the door they're carrying this paralytic in and they said, and the guys at the door said, hey, we're out of room. You're gonna have to come next week or some other time. And I talked earlier about how faith is a little messy. Uh, so these men, these four men carry this paralytic to the roof of this home. If you can just imagine this for a moment. We read through these scriptures so quickly sometimes and we don't comprehend like, this was messy. They cut a hole in the roof and drop, they drop this man, not literally drop, but they're uh, carefully dropping this man close to Jesus so that this man can get the healing that they want him to get. And I think about, again, often faith is, is a little messy. I love these four friends, I love these four guys for their relationship to this paralytic because they weren't gonna take no for an answer. I love that they, there was a perseverance in their heart that like, come, come hell or high water, we're gonna get this man to Jesus. We don't care what it takes, we're not gonna take a no. And it was a real challenge to my heart as I was preparing this, and I wanna challenge you with this, is are there people in our lives that we know don't know Christ that need a physical healing? Maybe they need an emotional healing maybe a mental heal, you know, whatever that is, whatever kind of healing is needed, do, do we have that same perseverance of like, I will do whatever it takes to get this person to Jesus? And I think about here at New Song, one of the things that Pastor Justin and the staff say often from the stage is invite a friend. You never know just one invitation and how that could change someone's life, literally the destination of someone's life, their destiny. And what better destiny than to, than to have spend eternity with, with Jesus, to, to learn what it's like to live in freedom and not live in bondage and to be able for this paralytic, it wasn't just a physical healing. It was, he, he got the complete package, got completely healed. And what, we, what I find uh, also interesting is that, uh, you know, this would seem just impossible. And God, so often, he calls us into these impossible situations. I've seen, you know, uh, for me, I've watched others that you would never think would ever come to Christ and they come to Christ and they're completely transformed. And some of you, you might be that person or you might know people like that. Man, I thought they'd never come to Christ. Guys, that's the God we serve. We serve the God of the impossible. We don't serve the God, like if, if it's attainable for me to do, honestly, I don't want anything to do with it. I wanna be partnered with people. I wanna be around people that like, we're going after something so much bigger and so much uh, better than, than just living for myself. I wanna live for God's glory, not for my glory, and not for what I can attain and do with my own two hands and my own two feet. But God, I, 
you know, leaning in, in, into that, that this seemed like an impossible situation. The guy said no, but yet they were getting him to Jesus to get his healing. And so, uh, again, this paralyzed man, he's saved because of these four friends' faith. And I just, to me, that kind of messes with the way I think about uh, salvation even. Like these four men's faith, because of that, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And I just think about the power of the people, the, the circle we keep, the friends that we keep is so vital, it's so important. So it's surrounding ourselves with people that are gonna call us higher, but it's also us calling others higher. These four men took this, took this man who obviously didn't know God, we know that, by the, what the scripture said there, and, and now he had a new, a new life. And so what's really fascinating is, uh, is that these four friends, they literally changed the trajectory of this man's destiny. Now he understood what hope, healing, and restoration meant in his life. Whereas before he, hadn't, he had no idea, he was paralyzed, didn't know God. What's, what's the phrase that we use around here, find God? find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. This man was on, he, he, he found God. And that's the first step towards finding, the final step of finding, finding our purpose, living out that purpose. And uh, I, 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 do, I do find it, you know, just uh, interesting that he, uh, you know, what, what, would it, what would it mean if Jesus had just healed his physical ailment, but yet he still had a broken soul? I think so often we focus on the outward but what I want to tell you this morning is Jesus, man, yeah, Jesus is so much more concerned about the, the heart, what's on in here, because all this is temporary. Our life on earth is so temporary. God does care, and he still absolutely heals physically, but he also is actually more concerned about what's going on in our heart and in our soul. Because again, what does it gain a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Jesus, you know, it's interesting. The Pharisees ask him, like, basically mocking, like, Jesus, you can't heal people. Like, or you can't, uh, you, you can't save his, forgive his sins. And the, uh, and Jesus responds, like, you think it's something for me to call this man to walk? I, I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll actually forgive him and I'll call him to walk. And he, and he walks. So he's a free man uh, in, in his soul and in his heart, but he's also a free man physically. And so uh, this morning, we just ask that uh, you stand with me. I wanna pray a blessing over, over each of you that this morning we just feel this challenge of um, calling others higher, but also, um, you know, just take a, taking a moment to say, who, who am I spending my most time with? Because I believe, you know, it should be those, uh, you know, a, a part of the faith, just as Jesus demonstrated that within the 12 disciples. I love what Pastor Justin said last week about small groups. Said, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a season of life where you feel that you know life's good, and which praise God, I, that's amazing. But it might be a season for you to pour into somebody who's broken, who's hurting. And I have to believe I know that there are people in small groups that are going to come that are going to need need uh, maybe a physical physical healing, but they also need a healing uh, in other ways that people can't see. We're all fighting different battles uh, within our own lives that people don't see on the outward, but it's real and it's there. And we're meant to help carry those things uh, together. And so I wanna, I wanna uh, just plead with you, just, you know, if you're not in a small group, please, please, please get, get involved in a small group, either to, to lead one, to be a part of one, because we, each one of us, we need you and we need, we need one another. Our church community, it's just so vital, so vital. 
So I wanna pray over you. So Lord, I just thank you for New Song. I thank you for this church. I thank you for each family, each person represented here, God, that God, you've called us to, to, to things that would seem impossible, God. But Lord, we desire, uh, number one, we desire to partner with you, God, in our, uh, our relationship with you. Lord, we declare that's the most important relationship. We desire, Lord, to go further than what we could ever even seem imaginable, God. Uh, we desire to see others around us go further in their relationship with God. Lord, we desire to see, Lord, I desire to see people continue to walk through these doors, Lord, that don't know you and then their life, just like Joe has a, just an experience with God, a Paul on his way to Damascus experience where their life is completely transformed in a moment. And it's not to keep it to ourselves, God, but Lord, we wanna shine our light. Lord, we want to lead others into that freedom as well. And so Lord, uh, we just thank you, God. You're worthy. We're, you're worthy, you're worthy. We love you. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.